Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with Rami Evan Esh, aka Kosha Dills. Thanks for coming on the show, Rami. It's good to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, man, I'm excited too. And I definitely want to talk about your music and your latest album. But Mm -hmm. first, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about what was going on before you found your way into recovery and how you actually got sober. So where does your relationship with addiction actually start? Um, I would say I probably got in around age 12, maybe. Um, I feel like drinking and vomiting like the first time, like that kind of part. And then I was very like sporadic, but like my, my first stuff, I think really started with, you know, in wrestling and like just making myself vomit, yo-yo dieting, very extreme stuff, like just do wrestling. Um, and I love wrestling, but like, I do know like everyone who does that sport knows like just, it's like an extreme sport, you know what I mean? With specifically with weight. And then, you know, the drugs and alcohol, you know, they're seeped in more in high school, but right when I got to college, you know, um, I'd got arrested like on my birthday and, uh, Then I, you know, I went to school and, you know, just sort of addiction to drinking, smoking, dodging urine tests for NCAA regulations. And then, you know, you know, getting arrested again um, and then getting, you know, the charges, felony charges and doing jail time. Like, so it just got progressively worse throughout. Yeah. Um, And then it really just, you know, I got clean at 22, turning 23. So I would say the short form and being like strong, hard, 18 to 22. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and so I I want to, let's peel back the layers of the onion here, man. I want to, I want to dive in a little bit deeper. So, because I was reading a little bit about your story, but just so I'm clear, like, you know, in that progression, so is it, are you going right into date because everyone's a little bit different right are you going right into like kind of like i did like dabbling a little at first it's social and then it slowly becomes an everyday thing or what did that progression actually look like um okay so if you get to like the specifics sure. like i just remember you know 15 like blackout drunk like okay. stealing liquor cabinet and then like you know nothing you know high school not nah. but um just but by the time like college came, like the drinking and, and I was more into selling drugs. Like that was my thing, you know, yeah. so I like bought drugs ones and then I'm like, okay, let's sell it. You know, yeah. I love selling things in general. I was selling candy bars in school. I used to sell fire fireworks right here, man, I used to right sell here. Fireworks, which is like what we really liked. And people were like addicted to like fireworks, you know? 
and uh but like i like obsessed mm-hmm. like all the time when it came to um my like let's say my um my parents had gone i guess to israel or something where i was working they were gone for like a month and i gotta say you know my sophomore year i was still on the wrestling team okay. and uh by the time my junior year happened like it was toast like like I, I got arrested at the end of my sophomore year and facing, you know, I was on like bail for $50,000 for ecstasy at the time was so intense. And we were wow. starting to just, you know, more like the whole ecstasy scene in New Jersey, New York okay. um, was a thing. So what happened from there, I would say immediately jumped when I switched to cocaine, like um, at the fall and I found that and I feel like I did it every day for like 21 days or, or something like a little bit every day yeah and that was like a combination of that and buying and selling and buying and selling some and doing some and buying and selling and next thing you know just doing it every day it's like mm-hmm. um and that was sort of the beginning of the end while i was waiting while i was waiting on uh waiting on the court date for the arrest then my sophomore year and that took like a whole year so um, I ended up doing time for that, but I, I was doing drugs all the way until I was going in, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and when I, you know, am in a situation where I'm telling my story sometimes, and depending on the setting, of course, you know, uh, I, I might not mention the selling drugs thing, but for me, and it sounds like for you, I think it's an important thing because like, it's really a part of the story. Right. And yeah, my stuff was completely like, anytime I was doing, doing drugs, I was always holding it too. You know? Exactly. So yeah. That was just how I got down. I didn't, you know, I would never, I was never part of the scene. Like, let me get my money for my work. Cause I didn't have a job. So it was just like, this is what I did, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's your career. It's your career. Yeah, it was my career path at the time. Yeah. yeah. And that and delivering pizza and like, you know, Dude, I mean, I mean, we, yeah, I'm right there, man. It's, it's a perfect, yeah, you're delivering things already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was all about the two for one. Um, when I got out of jail the first time, like I had been exposed to recovery because right when I got arrested, I guess in that weight, I had to start attending meetings and going to like sort of therapists and, okay. you know, I, I had some... I was going to places and they were like, hmm, you know, what, what's wrong with Rami? And, and I was like, you know, always dodging the blame. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got out, I was like, okay, now I'm just going to drink and sell drugs. So I kind of, and I was like, I'm going to get a girlfriend. And I, I felt like I had, I'm like very textbook of all the things you need to do to get out of whatever you're doing. So like, oh, maybe a relationship will solve it. Oh, maybe going back to school will solve it. Oh, and reality is nothing solved it. And um, the girl left and it got worse. And, you know, I ended up in like a sting operation and uh, was running from the police. And when I like threw everything, they didn't find a certain amount of drugs that was like on me or maybe some kids had picked it up. Okay. And um, I felt like, at that point, you know, I was on probation. I had done, I was on parole probation. And um, that was like, the week before that, I was like, yo, I need to either like go back to those meetings or get arrested. And I got arrested and that's what happened. Wow. Um, and so it was sort of very, I felt it was very like a divine intervention in my life and shit. Mm-hmm. And I was 
was like, yeah, I think this is it. And that was it. That wow. was just, that was like, I, it was July 30th, 2004. I must've got arrested like the 29th, you know? Okay. And then that's how it was. And from there, then I've been wow. on the path. Yeah. So, I mean, so you get locked up and then are you given the option to do like one of these treatment type deals while you're locked up? Do you just go to meetings while you're locked up? Do you wait until you get out? Like what is kind of the next step into recovery look like for you? Um, well, I had already done time on this other offense, right? Okay. Yeah. So I'm on probation. I'm obviously violating this. And this yeah. Yeah, yeah. Here, you know? yeah. Um, I'm going to have a little longer trip this time. Yeah. Um, I was, I had some money. Um, my father, you know, like he had, I got some like stock stuff that he was like, he was like trying to make me legit. He didn't know because I conned my parents and everything too. So my dad, I gave like my dad money and he like put it in a stock for me or something. And Man, like, that's pretty. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I was just got to diversify, stuff. man. Yeah. Diversify. It's just so crazy. And like, you know, I, took that money they put up like i think the other half of it and i went to this place called endeavor house which is in keyport uh new jersey i was in jail i was there for a week and i'm like at this point i'm like for sure gonna do like five years in prison because okay. last time they were training me five years i had nine months and i like ran into a school zone i ran back and so i was on campus so i'm like oh, this man. is just bad all around yeah and if other people are like ratting you out then you're just then it this wasn't like some random thing, right? Um, and I just went, I went, I was staying in the rehab for 90 days, right? Um, and then I went and I went, moved into a three-quarter house and everyone in a three-quarter house was sort of like a halfway house, but it's like, you know, operational and people go out and they get jobs, et cetera, and they come back for all the meetings. And everyone there is on parole and probation and just our main job is to like stay in meetings and don't go to prison, you know what I'm saying? And like, don't, sure. don't get high, you know what I'm saying? If you don't get high, Jail, you know, it's like yeah. that's where we're at now, and like that's our main goal. So, this is what I was doing. This is like all I was trying to do. And um, you know, by the time the court dates came, they just slapped me with more probation. It was like no reason for you to go go to prison. So, wow. Wow. It's a very miracle, very miracle. And, and in my life, I was like, I knew people who would go in and out of these programs to stay out of jail. Right. That's what I was going to ask. Like, were you really trying to do this thing, or were you just trying to stay out of jail? I think I was trying to stay out of jail and then at some point it just clicked also and I'm like, this is just better, like, you know, that I had lost the desire to kind of go back. And then I was sort of like getting clout in recovery, you know, I was going to these things every day and developing all these friends and I'm just like, you know, because this time, I, like when I got out of jail the first time, I was like, I really want to like start again and just do it properly. But like, cause that's all I knew. Cause like when you're in jail, not everyone's like, I can't wait to go to meetings, you know? Right. Everyone's like, how do I do what I was doing already and do it clev more clever, right? That's mm -hmm. a correctional facility. And even when there were people going to meetings in jail, I never wanted to go to them. I thought it was corny. I was like, I'm not going to go, you know, I'm just going to do my time. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, you know, I just, at the last time when I was in the, uh, in the program, like I just wanted to like start, you know, recording music and like get a life and get a girlfriend and just move out of my parents' house. And I just had these dreams, you know, of just like achieving what I wanted to achieve in life. And I'm gonna have to say, you know, clean to do it. You 
I'm saying? And I did sure. all kinds of jobs. I had all kinds of jobs there. Um, and I was just like, it was crazy to me because all I had done was sell drugs. So it's like, I didn't know anything. You know what I mean? I delivered pizza. And that's it. And, you know, coming out of, uh, coming out of that, there were just a lot more possibilities. I was like able to really start releasing me. You know, I had these like little dreams. Things were just clicking around. And, and I, obviously I had to stay clean or I would have gone to jail. So, I mean, right. you know, right. if I messed up, I'm just like, I did not want to spend like my entire twenties in prison. Yeah, man. No, for sure. For sure. So where does the music, like, had you started kind of like freestyling over beats like years before, like, where does all the music come in? Um, when I was like 17, I started entering rap battles. Okay. Um, with my buddy Yak and he, um, he was this kid that just was around and uh, went to the Eureka Poets Cafe in New York's really famous place. There's this battle called Braggerites. Just like imagine eight mile, just like that. And you could still smoke inside and, and they were smoking weed and smoking cigarettes. And it was just that era, right? Yeah. And uh, I was going on stage and felt this high from being on stage. Mm. And I was also high to get on stage. Right. And, um, you know, I had like some success and some small wins. I was beating some people. Mm. And um, I just realized you could like, you know, it's just a different kind of high I was experiencing. It was very similar to wrestling. And that's like you versus another person and you're, you need skills to like get through this match, right? Um, and then I started recording songs and just, you know, and I had a record that I made when I was high um, and using, um, um, although I wasn't high when I recorded the songs, I used that to, you know, I released the, that record, like in my, maybe like when I was like a year clean, I just pressed it up and, you know, put it out on record. Okay. it's not even online it was only on vinyl it's kind of crazy wow, wow. um and uh makes me think i should put that stuff online um but like in my mind i'm like wow this is uh i want to do this and i guess in my first year like my like when i started i moved to new brunswick new jersey after i got out of um i went to one place in madawan new jersey for like and then i moved to island to another three-quarter house and then I moved out and I moved in with some homies in New Brunswick um, that were all in recovery and just went to meetings out there. And when I was there, I just like, you know, started entering back into the music scene and just hitting meetings every day. When that was okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. my faith had come out at that time. Do what? MySpace. Oh, MySpace. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like a whole, that was like, now we're in touch with the universe. Like I, you could talk to people all over the world. You can meet sure. people, people in recovery that I still know from MySpace. Wow. Like, wow. And they're still clean. And um, that was just really cool. You know, yeah, it's cool. probably like, wow, you could upload these songs and send them. People could just come to your page and listen mm -hmm. to you. So I, you know, spent my time on that and just going to meetings. And that was how I kind of stayed clean probably for the first few years. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, man. What was one of the biggest things you think you struggled with early on in, in sobriety? Um, the biggest thing that I struggled with? Mm -hmm. um, I would say like, you know, when you're getting sober, um, you, you, I just have a lot of vices. Like I'm a 
real addict, alcoholic, like through and through. I mean, besides alcohol, there's food, sex, like all those like addiction. Like my first sponsor made me take a break from MySpace for 90 days. I wasn't able to go on it because I figured out how to manipulate that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I was manipulated, like just how you have people sliding into DMs on like Instagram and just, you know, or um, like I was trying to, I was figuring out like I had new addictions, you know what I mean? I had you know, in the air, like romance, codependency, like all these things and, you know, food, just eating like trash, you know? Um, and that like, it's really, um, is really difficult to realize like how addictive everything is for me without having drugs or alcohol. Cause if it was just drugs or alcohol, then I'll, you don't have to worry about anything else. Right, but like, right. I'm out of that to, to, to really enter back into society and live properly and live respectfully and i just had a lot of self-doubt so i use these things as crutches to make myself feel better you know what i mean sure um which is why exactly i probably got high in the first place mm. so when i had the opportunity to um i would say just like step it up a little bit more in early recovery um i would say the same problems I have now with 16 and a half years clean are the same problems that I still had back then. It's just, there's more shame involved because like when you get clean earlier, you think like, oh, I should have done this, done this. But when you stay clean consistently to like now with multiple years, like, you know what I'm saying? Having right. a dozen years, over 10 years, and you still have those same things. Like you're still gonna have the same relationship issues you ever had with your parents because it doesn't matter whether you're 20 or 40 or 60 if you don't deal with them you don't deal with them right mm -hmm. and for me i was i'm like i'm a big you know as an artist my like and like as a wrestler and a battle right you're like the crowd cheers you're like yes you know you uh you're you, if you're selling you know something you're the head of the party if you're buying somebody drinks you're the head of the party, but like, take all that and you're not that person. Like you're dealt with you and you, you have nobody cheering for you and to learn how to feel about yourself the way I needed everyone to make me feel like, I like, you know, that, that outside recognition is, is, was difficult then. And it's still difficult now, just now I'm so aware of it and to really still dig on, dig in it. Cause I want to stay, you know, I don't want to go back out. Right. So it's like, you have to do the work and the longer you don't do work on yourself, the more shame and guilt you have, which will drive you of the program yeah absolutely long answer to a short very yeah no no that was that was a great answer and i want to ask you uh i want to come back to that that self-doubt uh mm -hmm. in a minute here because that's that's something that i i certainly know something about but i, I do want to ask like what role do you feel like music plays in your recovery um like what how, how does that connect there i'm kind of curious um music there's different concepts of it right so making a song for me is difficult um you know when i first started you know i was i wasn't a freestyle artist i wasn't improv you know so like um when i first started rapping just remember like i think it just makes me feel super alive you know if i make like three new songs you have something that's that lasts forever like this stuff is in the universe forever it's like your imprint in society it's extremely spiritual and powerful for me to just know that you have this catalog of stuff this work that you've done that people will find generations from now and be able to listen to it um business like it, 
that you get to work for yourself and that you don't have to work for anybody else. Um, and that people get to hear your story, the way you tell it, you know, you have to properly tell your story, which is something I have another experience with, but like you have a new medium to tell your story, you know, that people could hear it and you could like change other people's lives. And I would say be of service to other people, you know, and like, it's hard. I don't really think of it that like that, that much, but when someone says, like, wow, man, like what you said in that song really helped me. Yeah, that's, that's like, that's like, that's it, you know, and plus it helps me, it helps me to make stuff like I sure. need, I have a creative idea, I want to see it come to life. And you know, if I'm the one who has to make the song, which I have been, then, you know, that's what I do, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, one thing I was thinking about, um, you know, because I actually I, I read a uh, an article, I think it was in Variety. And you were talking about how you met the student Mike on uh, on Warp Tour, and oh, yeah. and so <laughs> I guess th this dude was sober and like he was kind of like there were a few other people he kind of guided a little bit to get sober. But like I'm just thinking, man, like how do you or how did you then, like as a younger guy, like kind of separate yourself from? You know, I mean, we see younger guys now, I think in the article you were talking about like little Pete and, and he had just died and, you know, we, we see, man, it's just like, gosh, I think just, you know, with this pandemic stuff, of course, too, like, I think I've heard in the past couple of weeks about probably five or six people, you know, kind of in my, in my circle or out of outer circle ODing, you know, it's like, but I'm, I'm just thinking like, how do you separate yourself from all that stuff that it's so easy to get? drawn into you know the the fast money the the sex the drugs that are around and stuff like that like how do you how do you get into the music game and still separate your stuff from that yourself um, from that, i guess it's, is what it's, I'm wondering it's interesting about. you say that like you know in hip-hop specifically like when i started like this is more like true school hip-hop underground rap so the the blow and all the pills and stuff wasn't around Okay. like that as much okay. yeah and it was more like we but i used to tell people no smoking no this and i made it really known because right off the bat i'm such like a hustler i was like i'm gonna talk about my recovery and i'm gonna meet people in recovery you know what i mean and like i'm gonna do recovery shows and like this is there weren't you know people doing this you know on yeah. a large scale um and i was really proud of it like i was proud to be on recovery as much as I was proud to be on probation for like two you know because I felt like I needed this level of respect from the streets and then you know it, it, when I when I would meet other people that weren't in recovery they thought it was so awesome that I was in recovery wow. it didn't mean like they you know and I was like well sometimes you need an outside perspective to tell you like how awesome that is because they had people who died or they knew people that are still and like whoa how do you stay sober for two years that's crazy you didn't drink once for two years like you didn't do this for how long and once i lost the desire to use i was just like dude there's no way i'm traveling around the country and i get pulled over for everything like anything mm. and dude to be locked up in iowa or omaha nebraska or and just know and just really like you know, get a charge out there and be stuck. Like my whole life would be destroyed, you know, and knowing the fact that if I make one mistake, then I'm, I'm definitely going to prison for a significant amount of time, just based on my record. Mm -hmm. Um, I am forced to, so people, places and things, 
is such a huge part. It's like the first stuff I learned in recovery is what kept me clean, like the basics, you know? It's like the squat and the bench press. That's what people who are strong yeah. do, you know what I'm saying? It's not like a special exercise. It's the same one we learn in the beginning. Um, so I, like, I, I give it up for that. And I, I still use that today because there's, I'm in places and when I, I perform in the street and people want to come and party and they're doing drugs literally right in front of me. And I'm like, okay, you know, like my instinct kicks in and I'm not like, get away from me. I'm like, okay, we don't want the camera toward them. We don't want like, you know, let's separate. But it's so crazy once I see it, once I see it happening, I want to sometimes be around it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, just to see, you know, what or who, and I have to, and I have to check myself. So I'm sort of grateful for being in the entertainment industry because I see how many people do it. And I'm like, oh man, this is, this is uh, sad. And I don't essentially won't uh, get high, but I could act out in other ways that would be like not conducive to my recovery. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Man, I, I am curious, like on the flip side and not to like break anyone's anonymity or anything like that, but have you met any other people like in the game or anything like that, or just in the entertainment industry that you find out that are in recovery and you're like, Oh damn, like that's someone like, you know, like that's, that's pretty cool. Well, as far as rap, like I said, my homie Kyle raps was like the one guy um, that I know that we're just, I think we're like, they were like publicly sober and then, okay. Then like, you know, Eminem obviously got, and I got to do like a battle where I was like, it was like 2010 and I was like, my name was in a, the first time I was in Billboard magazine was with Eminem. And right. in my mind, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm more sober. I'm sober longer than Eminem. So like, whether he likes me or not, I know he's gonna respect me right off the top from that. Hmm. You know what I mean? And and his partner too, Royce of Five Nine. Right, um, yeah. Who not might everyone know, but that's like, they have, that's like the first people I listen to in rap. And as far as like, actors etc i mean there's so many people um that are out there and you know when you're in la they appear you know these people appear you know it's nice and it's yeah. just like it's cool but i have enough recovery where i'm not like hey what's up can i you know you, you just don't do that just yeah. like you're in the music business and you go to a dinner and you see somebody famous at it you know and you just don't be like, Hey, can I get a picture? Can I get a picture? Unless that's like, you know, you're just, you're not in the business and that's what you want to do. You want to stay, right. you know? Yeah. So just like, it's just like the program, honestly, it's like anonymity, you know what I'm saying? We're just, mm -hmm. it's, but it is a nice thing to see people. And it's like, Oh, wow. You know, it's not all, you know, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there. So for sure. Yeah. Entertainment. And then we got to separate and that's like a, a strength, like, to be able to separate things and compartmentalize it's like you go to work and you have your work relationships and then you have your personal relationships and they're a split you know it's not everyone you don't have to be at your best friend with everyone at work sure yeah you know? yeah absolutely no for sure well so i i think that's a good segue into talking about uh your latest album which is titled nobody cares except for you so mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that like what is the the theme or kind of the concept behind that album um it's definitely a reflection of me upon myself. Like I'm a very, the way I started doing that album was I was gonna release an album called Nobody Cares. And I made a song called Nobody Cares. And I'm like, well, nobody cares about anything, right? Everyone's just focused on their own thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, the recovery piece there is that like, yeah, you go and you think somebody's talking about you and you're like, just 
think you're so important that everything is about you. Right. Um, but the idea is nobody cares. And then I thought, you know what? And I was doing like a fundraiser for it. And I'm like, no one's going to want to be, I don't know, it's just so negative, you know? Right, so I right, just think, right. well, nobody cares except you. And it's like, the concept is, yeah, you know, you heard of me and I heard of this. And then we sit down for like 45 minute conversation. But because we gave people the initial time, right? This, this time, this half hour, this hour. Um, now we feel like we're a little bit more involved, you know what I mean? And we're like, well, now I, I kind of get where he's coming from. So we had to like res enough respect to just come and take that time out of whatever we were doing to, to me. And that's what I realized is I was so frustrated with my relationship with my music career, thinking I should be up here. But realizing that like, I come from such a hustle background, hustle, hustle, get this, get this, whatever to do to survive, which is such a old using pattern for me, is that in the real world, you have to care about other people if you want them to care about you. Now, as much as that sound may sound transactional, it's a good thing to sell yourself to. Be like, you know what? I will care about you. I mean, I hope people care about me. It's like, I will go to this rehab to stay out of prison. But the flip side is once you're there for 90 days, your mind, you, you've changed anyway. So it's like, whether your intention is, you know, per se kosher or not, like um, for me, I wanted to have better relationships. I wanted to have a better relationship with my fans, I wanted better relationships in my life. So nobody cares except you. And now I feel like, well, I, I do feel more of it. And I feel like I'm very self-seeking as an artist. So you're always promoting, you're pushing, you're doing this and you're falling on deaf ears. But to connect with someone just takes time. And that's really what the album okay. is. That's awesome, man. I really like that. So, you know, I, I've, I've listened to a bunch of your songs now, okay? And I... Man, like for me, I, I hear, I think for me, like I can listen to a ton of different songs and hear, uh, you know, what, what I think personally are recovery undertones. Right. But I mean, what are, what are some of the songs maybe on this album or just some of your songs in general that you would say, or maybe there's one song in particular that, that fans reach out and they kind of see that as, you know, the recovery song. Is there one song in particular that you're like, oh yeah, this is this is my recovery song. Like, um, th this is the main one. This is about my experience. I have songs that are specifically about that, that aren't on this album actually. Okay. Okay. One, Beneath the wounds. And there's a song called 15 years later, which tells my story about like running from the police and like literally in detail. Okay. Um, which, um, which is, you know, they're obviously great, but on this record, I would say, um, I mean, the songs that I've been, uh, Oh, the, they know what my name is, um, is a big one. And that, that's super in, in regards to humility. It's mm. like feeling like I'm never going to make it, but they still know what my name is. I don't think I'll be famous, but when I walk the street, a couple notice me. And like a lot of my successes have been behind the scenes or like I haven't achieved like the full super acknowledgement of love. Like, I have a producer mm -hmm. on this album, Sam Bar. She got to produce this album. It's nominated for a Grammy tonight while we're filming this. The guys who did my past album is nominated for Grammys, you know? Um, and like, I, I'm always like a famous adjacent is, is the thing. And I think it's in like, you know, the sober life. It's like, there's no superstars in this thing, right? Like yeah. anyone can get it, right? You know, like any famous act, boom, next day, kill himself. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a huge song for me. I think also like on the relationship piece, like um, 
um, Never Ever Have I, and the song Age, which is about dating younger people. Um, and it's just, I think those songs can really resonate. Oh, and the real me, real me is like the- Okay, I did, I saw, so that's like, I saw the title and like, I just went like right to, I don't know why that one like kind of caught my mm. eye and it was like, hmm, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe this is the one that- Actually gonna... almost more than the other ones, real me for sure. Okay. Real me talks about like some of my using experiences and like armed robberies and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of like that. That's why I thought maybe when I caught some of those lines, that that was the one you were going to mention, but uh, I, I want to circle back around, man, because you, you know you, you mentioned the self doubt thing. Like even before we hopped on to do this interview, you talked about it a minute ago. Like here I am, you know, talking to you. You seem like a really confident guy. You're putting yourself out there. You've been doing this for a minute. You you mm -hmm. met all these people and and all this stuff. Like, and I know I've dealt with self doubt, and it certainly still creeps up and i'm sure some of the people watching or, or listening to this can understand that too how, how do you deal with that like what if you were to say like man this is the the recovery tool that i use to really deal with that or this is how i kind of squash that self-doubt or at least start to kind of deal with it a little bit like what do you do I'm, I'm curious um i just read this in a book the other day it was a guy who wrote it um i don't know what it I don't know his name, unfortunately, but it's, uh, there's, uh, I guess builds, builds your confidence in avoiding negativity. And, um, I'll share it with you because instead of me saying like, Hey, I'm proud of you. And you switch the tone to, you should be proud of yourself. Um, and like the one thing is if I, you say Koshi doesn't proud of you and, uh, like I need your approval for me to know I'm the shit. I know I'm the shit. If you say, dude, you should be proud of yourself. It's the same thing, right? Same intention, right? Just phrased differently, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need Rolling Stone to tell me I have a good album. I want them to tell me I have a good album so I get respect from peers, et cetera, like that. Right. And yeah. see it. But I know my shit's good because I made it. I know what parts could be better. I know what songs could have been a little bit different. I, you know what I'm saying? And I, and like, and other people have told me it's, it's my greatest work yet. And those are people that care about it. So, um, the self doubt usually comes in and, and, uh, I learned this when, um, selling, performing on Hollywood Boulevard, like literally, um, I know the guys that sell CDs and people hate the CD guys, right? I'm sure right. you guys are watching the people come up with the CD. But if you have the confidence of a guy who sells CDs in an age where no one has any CDs anymore and they still love it, <laughs> the guy goes, let's get the nose out the way. Cause I know there's a lot of people that are going to say, no, let's just get them out the way. Yeah. So I can achieve my goals mm. and you wake up, right? What's the first thing you do? Do you scroll on Instagram? Do you, you know what I mean? And like, I really have to set the tone for my day to like build my, my, uh, my confidence because every day I wake up doubting myself if I, yeah. It's so like, man, so break that down for me. Like, what exactly does that look like? Because I, I'm I'm big into like a morning routine, and like I really feel like that has has been like doing specific things to start my day, especially has been not not only like carried me through sobriety and and helped you know keep me clean, but like has really man, it's uh, it's there's no corniness to it because it just is what it is. Like it's changed my changed my life for sure. Right. So. 
So what does that look like to you? Like, how do you kind of get that, that mindset for the day and at least try to, cause I know a, a, like, man, that's, that's it right there. I've never really thought about this before, but like, that's, if I'm trying to push anything aside at the beginning of the day, it's like fear and self-doubt. So how do you do that to like start your day off? What, what does that actually look like? Um, like you want to know my schedule? Sort of, I or? mean, like just what, what are some of the things you do to just start your day off? What do you feel like uh, helps you the most that might help help someone else? I just started this. I haven't wrote every single day. And since I was in jail when I was 2021, 20, um, and since, um, December, um, I was just going through like a really emotional breakup, not even a physical breakup, but like something where I'm like, I have to, you know, delete people and I have to like get these people out of my life. Yeah. And I just journaled every mm -hmm. single day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I filled up a whole notepad. A whole, it's now I'm, I'm being too lazy to buy a new one and I'm looking for like any space. <laughs> and I filled up a whole thing yeah. and I didn't even read it ever once back. And I'm looking at it and I couldn't believe that the last time I filled up a notepad back to the fourth was when I started writing rhymes. Mm. Um, if you start your journal entry and then I'm, I'm and uh, you know, read a little bit. I mean, I'm on this challenge to read and write um, for 75 days, which I've already been doing that. But like now reading is a big thing. I was, I had an, Eng I had an English degree from Rutgers university and I literally never read a book. The first time I read a book when I was in jail, my cousin was sending me books. Oh. Wow. And I'm an English major. Like I speak for a living. Like I rap, I, I have Ted talks, you know what I'm saying? And I've never read a book because so much anxiety. It's like, how do you do, do it one day at a time, one page at a time, one, you know, um, you, I look at a book and I, I just like to look at the cover and I'm like, ah, all right, that was cool. So mm -hmm. for me, writing first thing, don't touch my phone. If I touch my phone, I'm already losing. This is how do you, but what does you wake up late? Right. What did you wake up at 11? You stayed up late. Right. Still don't touch the phone. And now, you know, I take runs. I'm a big runner running. I did a marathon last year. Um, and uh, I did it in like, I trained, um, and I'm not saying anyone has to run a marathon, but like some sort of exercise where you sweat, I like, uh, I need to get it out of me. I don't know what's in there, but I need to get out. Mm -hmm. And like, those are the basics. Today, I, Today, when I was going out to perform, I was like, oh, I'm going to take the laundry out. I had a great opportunity to have a huge victory with my laundry. And like, I don't know why, but having clothes around that are dirty make me feel like a piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> make me feel like closer to crackheadness that I, that I deserve. So I want to have a nice drawers. You know what I mean? And I just got a new place. I'm like, I want to have nice things here because yeah. it's like my house. You know, this is my it's not my house, though. It's my palace. Hmm. So like once I get an app mindset, that's, man, that's that's a palace couch right there. I mean, yeah, exactly. I just wanted to set the tone of this yeah. interview and be like, we're here. Yeah, I like it. You know what I mean? And I got I like this it. on the street. I got this on the street, which I man, found it. It's very royal. Yeah, a lot of people uh, when they're looking at me, they're like, whoa. Yeah. What's the difference? You I like treat, it. Treat yourself good, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it is beautiful once you get a couple of days, just mm -hmm. like recovery, mm -hmm. like. It keeps going like now i'm now i'm a writer now i'm writing because my dream is to write books and it's mm -hmm. like you can't write books if you don't write that is true isn't that crazy yeah, it's like, man i eat cookies in the morning how am i gonna get a six-pack yeah me yeah. personally you know what i mean and mm -hmm. so you have to change and it's never too late to change just want you guys to remember i don't care if the next you see this thing you're like the past 27 years of my life or 50 years 
you could actually change it. And, and I think writing, um, this guy that I know calls it the brain drain. Like, what am I going to write about? I don't know, start freestyle when you write. My name yeah. is Ronnie, I'm having a horrible day. I just drank the caffeinated coffee on the sober podcast. Anyway, I'm going out to the store. Like, stacks up yeah. and you'll get some other stuff in there. Yeah, I like that, man. I mean, I like it so much. In fact, I've literally, for a while now, been writing in these little journals off Amazon. A brain dump is what I call it. Brain and dump. I don't even know what I'm writing most mornings. I just like put it down. Sometimes, like I said, like sometimes there's a little fear, or some self doubt in there, but I just, I get it down. So I, I like that, man. I think that's uh, yeah. I, th I think that's huge. That's super been super helpful for me for sure. I wish I had started doing that. I put, I put music on, I like uh, on YouTube or Spotify. I put like peaceful meditation music on, even though like I'm a super hater of all that stuff. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm like alpha guy. I'm like, but you put on some music that makes you feel spiritual, right? Like you go to a rock concert, you're gonna dance with people that listen to rock music. You put yeah. on spiritual music, you're gonna, it's gonna set the tone. It's gonna make your body feel a certain way. And then you could write about something that's really meaningful. You could do step work, you could do, you know, anything, but just a journal, no one's requiring you to do that. And that's why it's so cool, right? Mm, yeah. It's not gonna sell it, you know, it's, it's just for you. That's true. And. Uh, that that that's for for a lot of people watching it's really great feeling to fill a book up mm. with your own handwriting and yeah. there's a difference between typing and handwriting because when it, when you write with an ink you're experiencing like generations of like stuff that's going from like hand to it's like connected to you right the macbook is not connected to your soul sorry that's true yeah it's not you know what I mean? that's true but with the pen, you could do it, man. You get your favorite pen, you get into it, and you could talk to other people in that journal. And it's a little thing. Yeah. So. No, that's awesome. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If uh, I think some of my past generations had some shitty handwriting, because when I try to yeah. read back through this thing, <laughs> I can't even like, man, I actually like, I had a bunch of them I was trying to like just put away that I had filled out the other day and I was going back through and I was like, I could kind of pick out bits and pieces but uh i should probably write a little more legibly so i can you know go back through and someone could read it one day you know you yeah, have yeah. absolutely so are there any other projects that you're working on right now um i just do like a lot of uh personal work um uh, like in my community so i recently brought uh a holocaust survivor from harlem onto this app called clubhouse yeah 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 um had like 3,700 people there. I got an NBC news wow. was like really. And, um, it felt great because I was like, wow, here's a great opportunity to educate people. And this guy gets to share his story to a new group during his eighties. And, um, it's amazing to like do things for other people. Um, and to also have him get that recognition. Um, I'm doing a project now um a lot of stuff on black jewish work in new york city just like community building and separating racism and anti-semitism in communities so that's like my personal stuff that i do is to sure. the, the kosher deals and um hopefully we're gonna do something with uh in real, like i'm working on a photo project about the crown heights riots 30 year anniversary that, and that's just like life i feel like that's what should be like in its own category called life work um, i have film stuff a book stuff 
And just tomorrow I'm making a new song, my, my first song in Apartment Arrow still, you know, guys coming over and we're just, I'm gonna be releasing a lot of music this year, just awesome. more more music, yeah. singles, fun songs, silly songs, serious songs, and just, I wanna be consistent. So people, people know me as my character, people see me, what I do on the street, people, you know, they know me in bits and pieces, mm -hmm. but I want people to always come and say like, I wanna listen to the song, I wanna listen to the song, I wanna listen to the song. Well, this is a song. What's this song? You know, and to do that, you have to put the work in, right? We, like we were talking about it. To put yeah. the work, in. you have to stay consistent. You have to, you know, if you want to fill up the journal, you have to write every day. That's how it fills up, guys. It's no, it's not brain surgery here, you yeah. know. So, um, the next year, you know, I'm 39 now. I'm going to turn 40, so I'm having this fear of like I have to do it now, and it's true, like that if that's what's going to push me to do it you know um, I'm, I'm okay with it so sure i'm going through the whole career makeover right now just more yeah. music music acting what else can i get involved with that's awesome that's awesome i, I think you've given us a good idea man about what your uh re recovery looks like today to an extent i mean you mentioned um, you know, some type of, of fitness element and, and I'm a fitness and nutrition coach. So you nailed that on the head for me. I think that's, you know, that's huge. Um, that I, in my mind, that, that should just be a staple in anyone's, uh, you know, re recovery game plan, so to speak. You mentioned yeah. the journaling. Um, what does your recovery look like today? And, um, has that maybe changed a little bit due to COVID? Like, do you still hit meetings up? Do you still do any of that? Like, what does that look like? I, today? I do. And I would say with the, the, my inner, my little internet addiction, it is nearly impossible for me. Like, see right now, the only way I'm talking to you focus, it's because the phone is nowhere near me and I'm like distant away. Right. Um, and I should actually learn this. This is like a, a new piece of furniture that this computer is set on here. Um, so like i'll be attending even if i can't make a meeting like i'll turn it on and you know just be on it for zoom um the last meeting i went to was in texas when i was there for south by southwest which didn't happen and then they closed down and then i had there were a couple of meetings that popped open in los angeles but uh, and like some outdoor meetings in new york um and with the warm weather coming back i think the outdoor meetings will happen again okay but the, the, the Zoom thing is where it's at. And mm -hmm. um, the fact that I could pop in and just hear the voices of people for sure doing that. But to say that I'm present the whole time, no. So I just, you know, do my best I can. And I think it's just like a diet, you know, I, I need like a strict, I need strict rules. Like I can't be on my phone. I need to have the, uh, the, the video on. I think when you put the, the video off right we're just like we're listening to a podcast like someone's listening to this they're like you know cooking breakfast and mm -hmm. as you should you know but for a meeting um i really just want them to come back so i can build a steady schedule because for me i find super peace and serenity with like a strict schedule yeah and i'm on my health stuff i think it's it's for me it's like all related if i could be like not touching my phone you know, going to work, separating that. Now I'm like, you know, not on Instagram, not posting videos. Now I'm now studio time and not, you know, not being on Instagram while in the studio because you, you steal, you rob yourself of all the hard work that you've done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. the meetings, I'm going to miss everything that was great that was said. And then, I mean, this is what I've done for many years. It's not, uh, 
it re, it's just reinvents itself, right? It's like if I if someone's on phone on the phone uh, in a meeting, right? It's like you know now we're on the phone during Zoom. <laughs> you can yeah. do it over and over again. It's really difficult. So I would like to, right now I'm building like I know my sponsors like you know come to come through tomorrow a specific time and I want to build that relationship. I got to be there. So nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've been guilty of that too, man. I mean, I haven't been to an in-person meeting in a while. I've been doing the zoom thing and it is easy to like, I do like the fact, like you're saying, there's that one part of it. And it's like, man, maybe I wouldn't have gone to a meeting right now. I do have some stuff going on. So let me just listen in, but man, you nailed it. Like there have been times where I've just been like video off doing other things and um, you know, and I'm not fully pre- and the question I ask myself or the thing I think about personally. I'll do like, with the video on. Savage, <laughs> and that's like so, it's so messed up, man. So like, if anyone invites me, if you invite me to something, I won't do it like that, you know. Like, exactly. That's that's what I was gonna say, man. Like, I would never be in a personally like be in a meeting like looking at my phone, like I, you know, like at a meeting. Uh, I would if I have the phone on me. Mm-hmm. right or if yeah. i'm in something but if i leave it in the car like it's impossible for me to touch yeah. it right here. And yeah. that's, that's, that's true the that's true. you know that's true. i love to not be present mm-hmm. my fantasy is like i love to be in that you know as creative and stuff and that's a big way i helped me run the marathon i was like thinking of all kinds of stuff because by the time i was done <laughs> I was like it was not that bad you know yeah yeah uh, but to really be present in it is to really get the full experience of it you know to feel the feelings, et cetera. Absolutely. Whatever if, else can, so. Yeah, man, before we wrap up, I want to ask if there's maybe, I think you've shared uh, a lot of really great, uh, I'm just going to call it wisdom, man. I think you've been dropping some, some wisdom bombs on us oh, here, man. but uh, before we wrap up, I want to ask if there's maybe one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation, whether it's someone that's, you know, dabbling in recovery, you know, kind of got that first introduction like you did, or, you know, is new to recovery is maybe been around in a while kind of coming in and out of this deal. Maybe if you've had have any uh, advice for them. Um, well, I, I learned that this is like, uh, you know, the sober life um, is a program of attraction, not promotion, right. Um, so for me, I'm really big on the aspect of like humility and showing my car sometimes, right. And it's like, all right, I'm currently not a superstar. You know what I'm saying? I currently, I'm currently not in the best shape that I could be in. I'm currently know that I could do better with my recovery. Um, if you're here a long time, like re-surrender. If you think you should be somewhere that you're not, re-surrender because you're not there and you're just gonna hold a resentment. If you're new or you're like, oh man, you know, there's no bad reason to, uh, to have some humility. And um, if you look at my, like, I'll tell you a quick story, right? Cause today's the Grammys. Um, and I listened to somebody in recovery about this and my friend became a successful millionaire and he was making $12 an hour and he's also in recovery. So it's, it's relevant. And um, my producers were all nominated for the Grammys. It was like 2015, my boy, my boy Jesse. And um, I wanted to be there so bad, right? Just like I want to be the headliner of every festival, but I'm, you know, um, but I'm not. Um, 
and uh, instead of going inside, uh, and, I, and I got rejected, and there were so many signs that said, you know, don't go in, but I kept trying to buy tickets. And then he says, why don't you just rap outside? Why don't you just rap on the street? And I'm like, I'm a, you know, like I, I should be in there in like a tuxedo on the red carpet, like, but that's what, it doesn't make any sense. And um, I ended up, I did it, and I ended up getting, somehow I ended up landing like a, a massive commercial that financed the rest of my many years. And it was because of uh, listening to somebody, taking a suggestion and, um, and doing something different and having humility. I thought it was the most humiliating thing that I ever did. And anytime that I get into that state and I don't want to do something, when I try, I'm so much more grateful that I did it because it usually changes my life. I guess that's what I want to leave you guys with because no one would ever tell me that if you're working with, uh, you know, if, if all your friends are in recovery, um, you know, there's probably a sign, you know, when I was working with a Grammy native producer, I was like, I should be there. And I now I rap outside and it changed my life. It's like, uh, we're not all meant to be superstars, you know? So like for, it's okay, it's okay to be like rock bottom, I guess is what I could say and start from there because it's like a huge gift actually when you start, boom, you know? And, and uh, I guess that might be a long winded answer, but Humility ultimately is my biggest piece of wealth that I've owned, you know, and that I'm, I'm not afraid to like go back into it at any age or, you know, wherever I'm at with multiple mm. Man, I like that. That's, that's awesome advice. And that's an awesome story too. <laughs> so be sure to check out Kosha Dill's latest album. Nobody cares except you on all major streaming platforms and uh, man, check him out on Instagram. Thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. And, and if you guys are listening, let's like hit me up. I would love to hear from you and, uh, and, and be in contact because, you know, like I said, I'm no different than anybody else out there. So if I could help anybody else, um, I'd love to and share some time with you guys. So peace out. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.